0: Well, hello, and thank you for joining me today. If there's one recommendation I can give to you to improve your health, that's to connect better to your breath. Today, to talk about that is Mim Beam. Mim, thank you so much for joining me today. We were just talking and before we got pleasure, on.
1: Stephen. I really like your work.
0: Uh, it's, we were just talking before we we, we um, came on air about how there's this funny disconnect between breathing and you know you've been in this space a long time and it seems like common sense. I just thought you'd take us back a little bit into when you began to you know start to see the world of breathing. What were those steps in for you?
1: Well, Stephen, I've been a naturopath for over thirty three years, and it was about twenty six years ago that I did a very short course and it was the Buteco course, and it was really just one hour a day for three days, and I had asthma, and I'd heard that this breathing technique was good for asthma. So, I did the little course and it completely cured my asthma. And I don't know why I wasn't more impressed. And I didn't really look into it. But, um, you know, later I started hearing about Patrick McEwen, who I think you've also met, who um, studied under Buteko in Russia in the early 2000s. And then I decided I really thought I was going to be trained to help my asthmatic clients. Um, so I went to the States to study with Patrick. He he's an Irishman, but he was he was giving a training in Los Angeles and went and it blew my mind. It's just like, oh, it's not just asthma. And so it totally, you know, changed the way I thought of health, as you would saying. I mean, it's the most fundamental thing. And as a naturopath, you know, of course we, you know, it's diet, 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 and, and exercise is good and, and supplements. But before that is breathing. And I now look at patients through the prism of breathing, whatever they're coming to see me with. And if their breathing is dysfunctional, I'm going to see how far we can go with that, which is such a pure kind of treatment, uh, you know, non-invasive, and there's no not going to be into any interactions, um, and see how far we go with that. Even sometimes before a dietary change,
0: it's so interesting you talk about it like a prism. To look through because I, I really kind of reflect on my um, my own view of my patients, you know, pre, you know, thinking about the, the dynamics of breathing and how how dysfunctional breathing can play a role in certain conditions and chronic conditions as well, which is mm. um, really a, a big aspect of um, this whole breathing space. Is that when you don't breathe correctly, your body becomes chronically mm. yeah. um, labored by this, yeah. this issue and, and many people they exhibit it in many different ways but it's this fundamental aspect that is underlying every single patient so when you're trying to work yeah. out a problem then you really cannot you don't ever you know find a solution without addressing breathing right
1: yeah Let, and let's see what's left and that's what i really like it's like you know obviously you know we're, we're complex little creatures and there'll be often some you know it's multifactorial but let's see how far we can go with breathing, and then addressing the others is kind of easier. It just falls into place. And what I really like—we were talking about this before. Sorry, Stephen—is—is is, uh, I don't understand how dentists don't see the importance of, of breath and and tongue placement and all of that. And and yet, to me, it's just common sense. But we're just saying maybe it's the training that it's not—it's not you know the kind of all dentists, I can't, you know, don't look at it like this. It's not an easy jump. And I thought I thought we'll definitely
0: jump into that because it's it's interesting for people out there that are thinking how simple this is. You know, once you kind of lay it out, which we will, but then why aren't we, you know, better educated about this? That's a really interesting conversation. And and I really kind of see it, you know, from the perspective of being a trained dentist, is that it isn't an easy thing to I I think it's to do with how static our view of the body is and mm. that we 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 see things in a, in a um in a way that's still maybe that makes us more comfortable um but it 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 does completely change once you start to see this um you know this fluid and um quite amazing re- respiratory system yeah. we have
1: Yeah is, yeah yeah you know, I just sorry I I just, sometimes when I, I I give a talk and and uh you know it's to a population that that isn't that aware, and I'll say, oh, you know, I teach breathing, and there'll be this, there'll be this really, you know, obviously. Sometimes I'm going to say it's a man. I'm sorry, about that, um, and goes, oh, love, I'm all right, I'm still alive, aren't I? And it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, and he's and, you know, I think I put odds on he's got sleep apnea and <laughs> all the sort of mouth breathing. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted yeah. you.
0: No, no, it. it, it you can't unsee it basically you see it everywhere and the the really kind of tragic thing is that most people suffer it from it in some degree so look i i thought for the people that have really kind of um you know taken this on and really kind of um you know went on to to really kind of try to help a broader audience understand this they've usually had this personal journey can you explain that personal journey you had with the asthma and like how that you know turned around in with a, a weekend's understanding of breathing? And can you explain that a little bit for the people out there that you know suffer from similar issues?
1: Well, actually, I mean, when when it when my asthma was cured, I actually didn't have the understanding, and I think for previously, this science of the breathing wasn't explained by the practitioners. And to me, as a, as a naturopath, I I like my patients to know why. And similarly, when I teach breathing, it's like it's the mechanism. And so the mechanism that actually happened with the asthma is that with um, particularly the buteco, it's all about the chemistry of um, of breathing. In this, In this case, the carbon dioxide. So there's a certain uh, proportion of the population who are over breathing or, you know, it's called chronic hyperventilation where the carbon dioxide levels are a little bit lower than optimal. Carbon dioxide, increasing carbon dioxide has a number of functions. And with regard to asthma, increasing carbon dioxide can relax smooth muscle. So of course we've got a couple of kinds of muscle in the body, we've got skeletal, which is what we think of like the biceps and the triceps and we've got conscious control over that. I can flex it and I can stretch it. Smooth muscle is basically the tubing of the body, so it's blood vessels and it's the, it's the gastrointestinal tract and it's the airways. So for an asthmatic, the airways are always possibly a little bit twitchy, a little bit constricted, and then you have a, a trigger, maybe it's dust or, or motion or exercise, and then it will go into the asthmatic kind of end play of, of constriction and then mucus plugging because the um, mucous membranes of the airways will produce mucus when that's constricted. And so, increasing carbon dioxide will go back to their normal relaxed state, and you know, and that, and the beauty of the breathing retraining is that it becomes permanent. Basically, we're rewiring the brain, we're neuroplasticity of changing the respiratory centres, so that your new normal is the optimal level of carbon dioxide.
0: It, it's really interesting. Your neuroplasticity has become such a buzzword. Um, probably the last five years and so to kind of pin that to a habit that you literally do you know 20,000 times a day it's it's pretty powerful isn't it you know how we can rewire ourselves literally by something you do you're doing this often it's it's very very and and it's it's so interesting you say that you know you didn't understand the mechanism until later on and, and it's just like um, very very simple yet complex interplay, but that we have one with understanding it, and then two with applying it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a really funny interplay between how we um you know it's such a fundamental aspect of physiology, it's so interesting that we've had this disconnected um relationship with it. Can you can you help us to describe how um how your airways changed? Just through the application of the um, of the Bateko technique, how did you feel this this change in the way you were breathing, and how did that change change your life and health?
1: Well, I think I had clearly been a mouth breather, and also, I mean, the shape of my mouth, and and you you'd be able to give more information to that. And I clearly stopped being a mouth breather. As I said, it was, it was not so, it wasn't portrayed to me, but I do like, as I said, that's the way I teach now. It's like, keep your mouth closed. If your mouth is open, you are losing the carbon dioxide. So that's the chemical aspect of the breathing. And that's very much buteco. But what I like about Patrick McEwen, who I, I work with and uh, admire greatly, is that, you know, he's also talking about the other aspects. So the biomechanical, i.e., diaphragm, and how that That affects the rest of the body and also um, what we call cadence or or breathing pattern, you know, maybe slowing down the breath. And these, these excuse me, aspects, um, you know, they become one, you don't, you do the exercises and then once you've done the exercises, it becomes permanent. You don't have to think about it. So you naturally have your mouth closed when you're not eating and talking. you naturally are using your diaphragm all the time.
0: It's quite subtle terms <laughs> and yet Patrick puts it in such um such an excellent you know format and his new book is is in a textbook format uh, which is just brilliant the way he's laid it all out um, mm. in a way that a um that a professional can kind of digest and then see and apply it it's it's really He's really taking it to the next level in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. we we need to understand this stuff. Uh, Our professionals really need to understand this. And so the way he's laid it out is quite brilliant. So I I completely agree that his work has been, you know, really critical in pushing this along. Mm. Can you help us to describe, so when you see, obviously, um, when you look through this prism uh, with your patients, what are you seeing in terms of the, the big, um, warning signs in terms of they're not breathing well and how can people pick this up at home?
1: Yeah, well I've actually got a little breathing symptom checklist which I'm I'm refining at the moment. And there are things like, do you sigh a lot? Do you yawn a lot? Are you a mouth breather? Do you snore? Um things that people, you know, sighing, for example, they're not going to come and see me as a naturopath because they've got that. And a lot of people won't see that as an issue. Except for if they've got that and then they come in and they've got anxiety. Or asthma or even reflux. I'm going to see how, look at all their dysfunctional breathing signs and look at their condition and just one, whether there's a connection. And then, and then, as I said, let's just see how far breathing retraining can go before we go down the rabbit hole of, you know, SIBO or, you know, (laughs) um, other things that, um, you know, could, could be at play. Um, but you know, and, and 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 as you frame the, the uh, talk to get to together the the gut brain axis with rela- relation to breathing, and that's so interesting as well. So you know that if you've got dysbiosis in your in your gut, the metabolites of those um bugs can be read by the vagus nerve, which will in turn affect your breathing. And what is even better. <laughs> Is that it's bidirectional changing your breathing can then affect the vagal tone which can affect your microbiome I mean that's crazy
0: it is crazy when when we understand how powerful these mechanisms are in in controlling you know the mm. you know the idea of the gut brains kind of really you know also really popped up in the last decade and it's really just reframes so much of what people are ex- experiencing out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you must get this so often in terms of the um, people describing that the digestive system that just isn't working the way yeah. they feel it should be. And, you know, the the symptoms are kind of, you know, they're similar but varying. But when the mechanisms of breathing are, are put underneath, it, it mm-hmm. really starts to cha- reframe the whole picture, doesn't it? How... As an, as a naturopath and how you've seen um, you know people suffer with kind of digestive issues, how has mm. your view changed of this with what we've learnt, um, You know about the detail of the digestive microbiome, for instance. But then, how you've obviously you're using breathing as your underlying um, you know approach to start with. But how has this changed over the you know with how you um, how you begin to see a symptom list and and then mm. unpick it to in to see dysfunction in this gut brain uh, connection?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it, I, I describe it to myself, which may not be that useful when a patient comes in, and often they'll come to a naturopath and they've been to lots of other practitioners. So we're the last foot of call, and the case is often quite complex. And I, I, sometimes I'm writing it down and I'm going, it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> there's so much here. <laughs> and then you can, and then sometimes you step away, and I guess this is the, the happy, maybe I'm old, but I've also, you know, had that much experience of like, mm, maybe it's not, it's complicated, but maybe it's also simple. And and the word stress, and as it relates to, you know, the autonomic nervous system, and then its effect on the gut and how breathing can affect that. So very, very, very often, and I do love, to, you know, treating the gut as most naturopaths do, but from inflammatory bowel disorders such as ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, as well as the more, I guess, functional ones like irritable bowel syndrome, sure, there is going to be dysbiosis there and maybe some dietary, but stress, I'm going to say, always plays a part. You know, stress might be the initial, then then it's got its own life. So you know with ulcerative colitis, which I've got quite a few patients it's just like well, you know we can't just say calm the nervous system it's now really you know we need we need the drugs we need whatever but it's if we can calm that nervous system um, with someone who's got a chronic case, hopefully we'll we will we'll stop the episodes from returning, whether it's called remission or not um, that's such an important part. And um, you know, I, I just see it with with most conditions, having that um, parasympathetic, you know, dampening down that sympathetic response of the nervous system, and breathing is kind of. We've got great herbs, but breathing is is the best way to do it.
0: It's it's so interesting to see how you you're laying layering this, um, you know obviously we have all these, these, these great techniques and everything. I was just thinking, you know, with someone who's suffering, say, let's say a, a chronic digestive issue or just a a, a, a gut that's not working, how, how would you describe... So often, you know, these things don't... You, they're not going to go away overnight. You know, you just described a complex case, um, someone with IBD or, or a, a similar condition. They, they don't go away overnight. Mm. Where do you see... This um connection to how we're breathing better and calming that nerve system down um in terms of at least getting the patient to feel a bit better in order to to start to you know have the energy to be able to to look at these other areas to to heal the mm. um the, the body as a whole like what part of it do you feel is you know the mind and what part of it do you feel is maybe the the physiology in the um in the digestive system?
1: And they're they're intertwined. But Stephen, let's let's do a breathing exercise. And this is what I love about it because it can be so quick. Um, you know, we'll talk about perhaps there's a connection, then person will say, Oh yeah, well actually, you know, that was when I lost my job and then I've got to flare up. It's like, well, it's pretty obvious then really. And you know, and and people their gut literally knows and so it it's not coming as a like, oh that's a weird kind of theory you've got there, mm. It's like, yeah, that really makes sense. And so they're on board. But then I say, and how are you feeling now? On a, you know, let's scale of what zero yeah. to ten, where would you put your stress levels or however they frame it, they're worrying you or they're, you know, they're, they're whatever whatever phrase is the best for them. Or do you have a, you know, tight gut at the moment or pain or whatever and so we just do a little breathing exercise and see if it changes so why don't we do that sounds great okay all right so this is a little one that i call three by three what i'm going to ask you to do is just to sit in a relaxed position with your back relatively straight and with your mouth closed and i'm just going to take three breaths And a breath is an inhalation followed by an exhalation. So normal, just whatever you feel your normal breath is. So it's inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. At the end of the third exhalation, I want you to pause for a comfortable count of three and then you start the sequence again. So it's three breaths, a comfortable pause, three breaths and a comfortable pause. Yeah, sound okay? Good, fantastic, all right, very compliant. So with the mouth closed, Just starting now, just do it for a couple of minutes. Three normal breaths and then a pause at the end of the third exhalation. Now, if that pause of three feels too long, you're welcome to reduce it. So shoulders are relaxed and belly is soft and tongue is resting at the roof of the mouth, the tip of the tongue behind the front teeth. So. The pause, if you feel you can extend it, I'd like you to extend that pause for as long as it's comfortable. So this should be a very comfortable exercise. You should just feel relaxed. Three breaths, a comfortable pause for as long as you can. And then you start the cycle of breath again. So, Stephen, have you got any more saliva in your mouth?
0: No, it, you, you definitely feel you you feel the how everything's calms down, just literally in that in that space, and um you definitely start to feel yeah the, the um saliva mm-hmm. gland begin to release saliva. I'm still a little bit dry mouth because <laughs> it's early morning, but yeah, it, it's... And you've
1: got three children under three, you said. Um, it's a bit of a. <laughs> um i I use that so uh, and i I probably asked that question a little earlier but but this is a real test for me to see how to, this is a real really good test for me so what we're doing with the pause is increasing carbon dioxide carbon dioxide is a tranquilizing gas it switches on the parasympathetic nervous system now if i i will generally i think i i didn't have my my timer on, but I'll kind of prompt them ask them to extend that pause, and and then I'll ask sometimes how long is the pause. So that's a building up of carbon dioxide. And after a minute, I'll ask the saliva question. And if you don't have a little bit more saliva, I'll go, okay, this person is quite stressed. After two minutes, this person is very stressed. And sometimes it can take three and four minutes, and that's when I think they're really sympathetic dominant they will often not be able to hold their breath for even the three seconds. So some people won't pause and just breathing through the nose will be a struggle for them. So it's a bit of an assessment tool, that little exercise. And then it can be a, an exercise for them that, that can then meet their part of their treatment plan. Um, <clears throat> but I'm also going to say sometimes uh, breathing And talking about breathing can be stressful for people and this is a significant percentage actually and it's something I've I've been teaching this for over 11 years and now I'm and now I see how much the population can be a little frightened by the idea of breathing retraining and just talking about doing a breathing exercise will send them into a bit of a you know spin and it can be some people it could be a Birth experience with the cord around the neck it could be you know I can't believe how many people nearly drowned <laughs> as an infant I'm not laughing but you know that or there's some stress associated with that asthmatics always you can you know particularly if they've been hospitalized just changing the breathing is going to bring so we need to calm that down and you know bring the elephant in the room and talk about it and then then they they get used to doing their breathing and and it's not such a stress but so, so it's actually um it's fascinating i loved i love i love teaching it and um and responding to people
0: it it is fascinating and um the idea that people have resistance to talking about their breathing or they feel a bit maybe confronted when when you ask them about breathing is something i see a lot too and it, it's interesting how these defense mechanisms are set very much into our survival response yeah how do you see that i mean there's you know the, the kind of classic um you know snorer, for instance, that would might be a bit defensive about um breathing mm. at night um you know because they're their partner or they're a little bit self conscious about it, for instance mm. how do other people build up self these mechanisms i mean we mentioned with past um issues with breathing how does this this um how do you like how does that the symptoms play out in terms of th- these defence mechanisms?
1: Not quite sure what you're asking, but something like snoring, it's really interesting how we we make it a joke, you know, uh, that ha-ha is a really bad snorer and, you know, maybe got to sleep apnea, which is a real health concern. It's not a joke. It's, it's a, you know, it affects the bed partner. It means your quality of sleep isn't so good. We really need to... S- Anyway, I've got to get off my height there. Um, it, it's by the time someone's actually come to see me, they want help. So I, I, I guess they're not really that defensive. I'm not – I've had one person who was sent by their wife who just sat like that the whole time. By about the fourth lesson, he was on board. But it's usually people really want – they know either it's affecting their health if they've had a sleep study and they've got sleep apnea. Or, or they really, you know, it's affect. It, it can really affect the 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 partnership, and so they're kind of keen to to get on board. Just back to the defense mechanism. I, I was just trying to, because
0: I have seen um, a lot of patients that are confronted with a simple breathing exercise, like the one you just took me through. It, it, do you always take that back to a, a previous trauma? Is that what you find, or is uh, is can it just be? a general kind of, um, you know, issue with their breathing that is, that is built up? How do you see, um, cause I, I see that quite commonly.
1: Mm. I'll, I will, I will ask them, do you feel more relaxed or has that, uh, do more stress with that exercise? You know? And, and so if it's more stress, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, and, uh, because, you know, carbon dioxide is, uh, is the driver to breathe. And so if someone is had dysfunctional breathing, generally they, they can't tolerate very much carbon dioxide. So why, you know, so is it a structural problem that they've had septal deviation or there's, um, so, you know, big congestion and, and as, you know, is it, is it mechanical? Okay. That's obvious. We have to do something about that. But is it, mm, it's it habit. No, I I will bring it out. I will say, D- do you know? And they'll go, no, no. And then I'll try different ones. So we there, there is just you know many roads to Rome. The different techniques I can use. So that, that that might it might be. And this can be one we do for kids. It's called steps. And I'll ask you to stand up and breath in, breath out. This time you block your nose and you walk for as long as you can. And kids love this one. And of course, the same thing. We're trying to build up the carbon dioxide, and so we could, I could, you know, do it as that kind of exercise, or um, we could, I could just then we go to diaphragmatic breathing, and us and and I teach them diaphragmatic breathing and and see what calms them. So there are there are various techniques, but but very often, and I, you know, it's like. 10 minutes, 20 minutes into the consultation, I have long consultations, um, they hope we've got a bit of maybe a rapport and they're able to say, yeah, freaks me out, even you saying let's do a breathing exercise. And so we'll leave it. <laughs> maybe talk about tongue position or, you know, um, which, yeah, but just noted, and And then that's brought that into their consciousness of, doesn't everyone feel freaked out by breathing exercises?
0: Yeah, no, think. It, it makes sense. And w- we'll build out those mechanisms, you know, how breathing is so connected to the, um, you know, to our, uh, our conscious and subconscious brain. And it, it's just really interesting to think that people have this fear around it and, um, you know, what, what's happening there because there's, there's so many silent symptoms. And actually, um, Deborah's just asked a question, um, that uh, obviously I yeah. see a lot uh, looking in the mouth. Um, how how would you explain this, Deborah? Asked, Could th- this have anything to do with teeth grinding at night? Oh,
1: I, I I I see a huge connection. But I think Stephen, you can talk to that better than me. This is this is this is where the 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 areas cross over. I I, I partly what I think is happening. See, I say Stephen, why don't you talk to it, and then I just take over. Do you like that? Um, I, I want, I'd love your, um, thoughts on my, this is actually something I think is that if someone's not diaphragmatically breathing, they're using the accessory breathing muscles, including the sternocleidomastoid, which joins to the temporomandibular joint here. Um, the, if they're not diaphragmatically breathing, then those muscles are going to be really tense. And I think that that has partly part to do with it but I, I do know that teeth grinding and clenching um, almost always improves with the breathing with the breathing course. what 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 from a dentists perspective what what do you think the mechanisms are?
0: I mean we, usually with teeth grinding um, for the most part I'll find that um, people are unaware of it. So it's I'm finding more and more um, that you know, you'll find this other symptom you know that that um, leads you into um, a, a breathing issue. The mechanism looking at from a um, the point of view of the airway, it it seems to me that there's an airway challenge. So you know on the sleep yeah. study you'll, you'll get that respiratory effort. It seems like there's this autonomic survival response. Yeah, Um, waking or pushing the um the the brain into sympathetic survival mode during sleep and then there's usually some other symptom associated yeah it's always this warning sign amongst you know a whole host of other issues that you pick up just through a few simple questions but it usually um for the most part people are unaware of it but then it seems to be their subconscious brain um managing the airway because you can usually find a structural yeah. issue or a um you know or a postural tongue issue that um that is challenging the airway at night. So it's for the most part, you know, we find the um you
1: know
0: yeah in a multidisciplinary team, there's an airway challenge and the, the teeth grinding alongside the the um behavioral changes um can be addressed yeah. when we consider that. Yeah.
1: And and there's a yeah that that whole way that whole airway challenge I think where the breathing retraining um i mean we talk about tongue position, but also that the if you're breathing through your nose <clears throat> rather than your mouth, the turbulence is less the you know the the actual volume of the breath is less, so it's going to be a quieter breath, so it's not going to cause that negative pressure of the upper airway of closing up. So I think that, that maybe that's also why we find uh, a reduction of the symptom of bruxism with the breathing retraining. Um, you know, it's a quieter breath. So, you know, like if you think of the, the um, airway as a collapsible s- straw and if you, you know, big breath, it's going to close up, but if the breath is nice and gentle and soft, it's going to remain splintered open more readily.
0: It's, it's in- interesting though, like the um, mechanical connection to breathing, which you brought up before, and the connection to the TMJ with the uh, sternocleidomastoid, that's a really interesting connection. And it does seem that, um, you know, you could probably say 99% of the population aren't familiar with diaphragmatic breathing. Can you take oh, us through this, this mechanical aspect of breathing and how- Yeah, um,
1: the diaphragm is, is an awesome muscle. <laughs> um <clears throat> no, you're right. A lot of so there's this big muscle here underneath the rib cage that, that attaches to the ribs and attaches to the spine. And you know, in fact if you're not using it properly, it can be causing back problems. And and these the major, you know, the inferior vena cava, the aorta goes through the the diaphragm. So it's this you know, working like this, as you said, twenty 000 to thirty thousand times a day is really improving the circulation throughout the body, there's this huge lymphatic um, reservoir underneath the diaphragm. So we're, you know, improving lymph flow. And then the esophagus, for goodness sake, goes through the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is the lower esophageal sphincter. Like it just blows my mind. I don't lose my mind. I mean, I I studied in the dark ages, but I don't remember hearing about that, (laughs) that the diaphragm. And, you know, so, so something like, And like 40% of reflux can be due to incorrect breathing, i.e. not using your diaphragm. And people, you know, luckily I've got a huge belly, so I don't don't, have any pride anymore. But, you know, people, women and men, feeling like they have to, you know, hold in their belly all the time. You can't breathe using your diaphragm if you're pulling your belly in. And the core, the idea that you need, your core needs to be on all the time—that pelvic, the pelvic floor, the pelvic diaphragm, and the um, you know uh, respiratory diaphragm—they work like this. So if this one's rigid, that one can't work. And so this idea of this relaxed breathing and this beautiful pump mechanism is—you um, know—when people get it, they just it just feels so good, and. Um, we're not taught it's just a really fundamental thing that's not taught
0: what would you say is the most common muscle pattern of dysfunctional breathing that you see in terms of how people are
1: um, using well thoracic breathing? yeah so so they their their chest breathing and and i guess asthmatics would be the the population you'd see it more and you can actually you know sometimes particularly with little kids you can see their little shoulders going up and down and um and you know that's a, that's a conscious retraining, showing someone how to use the diaphragm and then asking them to, that will eventually become normal over, over a period of some time, weeks probably. Where am I breathing? Am I breathing using my diaphragm? And we call it belly breathing. Of course, it's not breathing into the belly, but, you know, the belly, the lower ribs, and even the back is kind of like this coming out because this diaphragm is this muscle that as we breathe in, it contracts, moving down. So all the abdominal contents are kind of pushed down there and as we breathe out, it goes back into its normal relaxed form up there and so the belly button comes in. So that's the way we, we, you know, teach it.
0: For people trying to identify if their breathing muscles, um, if they're activating their breathing muscles correctly, how would you describe, um, you know, the, the the a way to check how they're breathing in terms of, um, you know, uh, their own movements of their, of their, um, you know, whether it's their mm-hmm. chest or what, what they're feeling within their body?
1: Well, I I often confrontingly bring a mirror and put, them, put the mirror in front of them and they can actually see, you know, have one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly. But I describe it, you know, people learn in different ways, but, you know, a visual way is think of the belly as a balloon and as you breathe in, the balloon inflates with air. And as you breathe out, the air's leaking out of the balloon. So, you know, that can be a way. And, you know, or either put popping, I put a, if, I, I, if people lying on their back with their knees bent and I put a book or something in about a kilo, uh, a soft toy, and seeing, you know, that move up as the breath, you know, with the breath in and it down on the breath out, that's that's a really good way. Um, but, you know, having people put their hands on the lower, the, the floating ribs. And as they breathe out, breathe in, sorry, it it expands slightly. So it's quite visual and they can feel it. And it can take, um, sometimes it's very quick if people are body aware and sometimes it can take a while. And I'll leave it if it's, if someone doesn't get it, I'll leave it and we'll just concentrate on another aspect, i.e. maybe keeping your mouth closed. Um, and, And then we'll come back to it at a later time.
0: It's interesting, I I remember the first time um, doing a breathing exercise with my hands on my ribs and feeling that expansion laterally and and just thinking that I'd never really thought of the body expanding in that dimension and then, how you can completely feel that expansion every time you breathe and and it was quite remarkable, the shifts that I felt just from feeling that um, the way the body um grows in those different dimensions and mm. often um you mentioned so people laying on so uh a patient laying on their back um you're putting their their because the dental chair is one of the, the more stressful places you'll find yourself so yeah. often just the um hands on the belly yeah button.
1: nice yeah 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 and, yeah, yeah, the, yeah yeah yeah
0: and what you're yeah. describing there is really is just showing them so well that you know where is the breath going, and they're just connecting back to the breath, and and so they're not getting into this um, fight or flight, which is very helpful for us, obviously.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's
0: really interesting the the physical um, component of the diaphragm to to actually um, you know you know help with the movement of the digestive system. Like you really kind of painted yeah. that picture to me that there's a real physical component here that people aren't getting access to when they're it, not...
1: It's massaging really the bowel, ba- yeah. you know, and you're not... It's like I, a couple of... Um, it was my last course I taught in... I'm in the Southern Highlands and I had someone... <laughs> she said, chronically constipated, woman in her 50s, and she actually had to go to the loo during the course and she said that it was... It, I mean, I'm being a bit graphic, I'm a naturopath. Um it was because we'd relax the gut and the massage of the diaphragm. Um, it, it it it's it's so interesting and and it's actually you know sometimes it's that quick that you can see the results and and when patients and clients can see that connection, that's <clears throat> that's fantastic. You know, my job's done. They I, you know they don't need to keep on taking. You know, we've got great herbs and supplements and but it's so such a pure therapy. Of the just like, oh, it's, your, it's yours now. It, the
0: the physical benefits, you know, we're coming at it from many um, aspects now, and you know, you've mentioned that, you know, things like supplements and herbs and so forth can be used to treat the gut, but the um, <clears throat> calming of the nervous system and then the physical <clears throat> aspects of helping the gut to actually, you know, exhibit its own peristalsis, you know, is just so <clears throat> powerful. The... The connection, you know, and the the gut being the second brain. How do you how do you explain what breathing is? Um, how we're controlling this, you know, what we call autonomic part of our brain, and how mm. this affects um, our, our gut and our and, and our um, you know our system in terms of how we're feeling. Like how do you how do you how do you explain the the autonomic aspects of breathing?
1: I. <clears throat> I actually spend a bit of time and and talk about you know in in the old days it was about us running away from the bear and um, and even though the bear's no longer there it's the bear of the you know your boss or studies or so you know that it we're still responding in that <clears throat> very primal way and people get that I'll, I'll say you know who 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 feels a bit. <clears throat> who sweats when they're really nervous or, you know, diarrhea or whatever that. And, and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's still me. So I actually will, in a, a lecture, go through what happens to the body with adrenaline and cortisol, which is even scarier, and say this is, you know, even and the stress and talking about stressors, they're not just psychological, it can be pain is a stressor, an infection is a stressor. And so, you know, if you've got these chronic stressors, this is impacting on your autonomic nervous system. Autonomic meaning you don't have conscious control over it. But what do you have control over? Your breath, which can then dampen the effect of this um, sympathetic nervous system activation.
0: And there's so many people now that are stuck in sympathetic activation. You know, oh. I, I def- the, the, the exercise that we did definitely show that I'm in sympathetic activation. You know, I've got... Um, We've got a young child at home. We didn't sleep all that well last night. Yeah, Um,
1: yeah, yeah, and that, that, absolutely, absolutely. Um, That, I I mean, you know, it was a bit of a fake exercise as we're, and I threw you into it. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if you're, yeah, that's the case. And so, and the beauty of the breathing is you can do that while you're listening to me Well, while you're, you know, even working on a, on a patient, I guess, if you're not talking to them, you can do some breath-holding and that will keep you quite still when you're drilling or whatever you're doing.
0: Absolutely. And that's, um, that's something that everyone can apply. You know, in in my own practice, being able to control my own breath, you know, especially during a, a stressful procedure, has been, you know, life-changing. One, because you're, you're able to, you know, control your thought. But then the, the biggest um, benefit I've found is through the control of posture and the tongue. And so if the tongue is up to the roof of the mouth and you're focusing on mm-hmm. um, maintaining mm-hmm. the oroparyngeal airway, you're, mm. your shoulders don't slump and dentists have this um, yeah. you know, terrible syndromes of the, the, <clears> the neck coming forward and the shoulders slumping. So connecting to breath has been able to um, enable me to improve my posture and that's something that so many people struggle with as a part of, you know, yeah indoor jobs and so forth and you know you must see many people suffering from these musculoskeletal issues alongside you know these these breathing problems
1: well you know i guess that's not my i I, I will refer them on i've got fabulous people to refer on with the um the body workers but yeah that tongue oh man that's so interesting that the fascia of the tongue is actually connected to the toes and that's you know and the postural part of it so it's like it's every time you learn these things it's like oh God, you know, it's so interesting we are so um you know everything's connected
0: it really is and it's one of the things that i've you know talked to you know nearly every patient now gets the spiel on the breathing and the tongue and you you try and shorten it as much as you can you know for the yeah. for those that are of uh, just being introduced to it but that connection between how the tongue supports breathing is just it's funny how we just don't make that connection at all
1: Mm, 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 mm. absolutely yeah so so that's a big part of it too the tongue posture and the thing is that you know these are not buteco, and that this the buteco is the chemistry of the breathing the other one of the of the biomechanics is that is you know tongue posture and diaphragm and and um and once you've got all working it's um it's amazing what you can achieve and you know even like i've got 90 you know people Patients in their nineties, and just seeing the improvement—it's—it's—it's it's, it's fantastic. You know, the sleep quality is better.
0: It absolutely is. So, just take us through your take on um, the the biomechanics, or sorry, the um, the biochemistry of breathing, um, just to re-explain. You know, how important you know, or what we're what we're actually doing when we're breathing, instead of the classical, um, you know, maybe just exchanging oxygen. As a gas. Yeah,
1: it's, it's 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 um people think it's all about oxygen and yeah you know, oxygen is is kind of important <laughs> for life, there is no doubt. But interestingly, it's carbon dioxide that is our driver debris. The the brain is kind of looking for where the carbon dioxide levels are rather than oxygen. Oxygen can levels can go quite low before the brain worries about things. But you know just a slight change in carbon dioxide and and you know it's it really impacts on the way you breathe. So basically we're trying to increase people's tolerance to carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide sometimes vilified as a, a toxic gas as a as a waste gas. We make it every time we make energy. so fuel in, food in, which is carbohydrates, fats and proteins, which is carbons and oxygens and hydrogens predominantly, fuel in, energy out and but you know that matter doesn't get is neither created nor destroyed just thought of that one um but it's converted to carbon dioxide and water water the body will always use carbon dioxide yeah we do need to get rid of it but gee it's also really useful the body you know recycles so carbon dioxide can help relax the smooth muscles talking about carbon dioxide activates the parasympathetic nervous system that's what we're wanting and then carbon dioxide helps oxygen delivery how bizarre is that and that's called the Bohr effect that slight increase in carbon dioxide will mean that the hemoglobin molecules which are on the red blood cells which hold oxygen they'll release their oxygen when carbon dioxide levels are higher so that's you know Amazing! We're getting better blood circulation because of the smooth muscle of the capillaries, and then we're getting better oxygenation of the tissues because of that slight rise in carbon dioxide, and that's called the Bohr B O H R Bohr effect. Um, so that's the chemistry of it. Um, and then, um, if we want to go into the sports performance breathing side of it, actually decreasing oxygen temporarily can have an effect of increasing. Erythropoietin production, which then increases red blood cells, so you've got more oxygen carrying capacity to the muscles. But that's a whole different side of it. The health benefits are really all about the restoring. It's not an artificially high carbon dioxide. It's restoring optimal levels of carbon dioxide. And so, you know, if someone's a mouth breather, already we know that that's leaking, the gassing out. So just just getting them to be a nose breather, happy days. And but I think you still need to retrain after that.
0: It's so interesting, you know, painting the body as being um, using the carbon dioxide as a mechanism, rather than seeing it just as a waste gas. Because you know we picture when carbon dioxide is breathing into the atmosphere, it's used um, for as as, uh, as life plants. So it, it, mm. it literally fuels the cycle so it makes sense that on its way out it has this mechanism in our biology too it's it's really interesting that we've just pinned it as a as a waste um product when really it's got this absolutely fundamental role in life um, on the planet and also within ourselves as well the yeah i I
1: think we i think we like simple stories i think we like uh, like a short grab so carbon dioxide bad um you know acid bad and so I was like, "Well, actually, it's a little bit more to it." And and you know, you kind of people's eyes glaze over, which is a sign of dark side increase, by the way. Um, you know, so so it's it's but it's fascinating. But it takes whether it's our poor attention span now, I don't know. Um, but it's not as sim- it's it's not as simple as that.
0: And we're finding that with most. Most parts of the body and and topics for that that there's there's much more details and complexities to learn and mm. and, and take into play. You mentioned um, sports performance um, and and breathing techniques. Uh, I know you do a bit of work in this area. How how would you describe how people can use some of these um, these breathing techniques to better their um, athletic performances?
1: Well, I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Patrick wrote a book called The Oxygen Advantage, where a lot of the science of this is explained. I, I, I'm really want people to improve their breathing first, and then go on to doing the doing the um, sports performance. So it's. Uh, but mind you, it's a bit of a carrot. And particularly with kids, you know, do you want to be faster? And, and okay, well, then this is going to help you. But, uh, going straight to the hypoxic, which means low oxygen exercises when someone's breathing is already dysfunctional, for me, is going to stress their nervous system more. So it's, um, you know, it's interesting, but I'm, I'm, and I now don't teach the sports part of it until they've actually done. fundamentals because an athlete can be incredibly talented and do really well but they still have dysfunctional breathing so correct the breathing first and then we can go for it
0: so you would find in athletes that are you know potentially trying to push their breathing for better performance there's underlying dysfunctional patterns that was that they that really held them back which makes complete sense that um you know you when you're trying to take the system up higher if you don't get the fundamentals right then it yeah. it it can't it can't reach these levels
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting they i mean you know they're just obviously gifted um but they but they may not be breathing functionally so correct that first um
0: mm. i'm not sure how much sport you you watch now but do you do you look at any athletes and and look at their breathing and how you know they could be improving this um, even though they're at their peak of their performance, do you see that
1: often? I don't watch a lot of sports. Stephen. Sorry, I'm just like uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> but I know Patrick. Patrick has talked uh, about various people, and I kind of like they look up and go, "Oh yeah, they are really famous." Um, <laughs> and
0: <laughs> I was just trying to. I, I don't get to watch a lot of sports now either, so I couldn't bring up any examples. But I was, yeah, oh. it 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 must be something you 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 don't unsee once you've. Um, yeah
1: yeah why, why, yeah yeah and and it's a big it's a big it's a big market and you know the people who are into um you know cycling or the you know the the second the improvement of a second i know is really um you know really valuable for them so they're very focused you know the people who are doing for sports performance are very very focused and very compliant and i know that's where patrick is spending a lot of his time now in fact most of his time um i'm being a naturopath I'm um, kind of more interested that's Oscar my cat, by the way. Hi Oscar. <laughs> um, more interested in in he, in that health, I guess. Yeah. Sorry the sports Getting fans out there. Yeah. So so when
0: now with your approach with looking at um the underlying um you know mechanisms of breathing when a person is breathing dysfunctionally or not, what do you find that some of the um your adjunctive therapies to calming, say a stressed person, some of them' suffering from anxiety, from um, you know gut issues, and you find a breathing issue, you help them to connect to deeper parasympathetic resting breath. What are some of the the other adjunctive um, uh, modalities that you're finding effective that work well with breathing? like uh, do you have some quick go-to's that you that you um, pull out of the sleep?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think magnesium's really good. Um there are some beautiful herbs um you know, even St. John's wort, for example, carver, magnolia, there's um you know, passion flower, there's and usually you'll have them as a mixture. So I'll I'll often see how they they work and people should notice that within 24 hours whether whether a herbal complex like that will be helpful for them. Magnesium magnesium's pretty much always a good thing. Um, yeah, so, so herbally, I mean, acupuncture can be great. There's so many modalities or, um, you know, making sure there's a bit of exercise and, and things like, you know, is caffeine affecting them? Um, we don't, we want to take out processed sugar so we don't get these big dives in blood sugar, which can really stress the, the um, nervous system.
0: And when, when you say um, you'll know within twenty four hours, do you mean that someone feels more relaxed after taking a um, like a certain set of herbs and that it's it's helped their body? Yep. Is that the kind of um, response yeah. you see? Yep.
1: Yeah, I want to see. I want to kind of see it immediately with the breathing. Does that make you feel better? Um, you know, is this symptom better? And with the nervous system relaxing herbs. Um, yeah, if, if it's in 24, 48 hours, they don't notice a difference. It's not, it's not some herbs, adrenal, for example, um, or immune will work behind the scenes. And I'm going to say, just take it, you know, with the adrenal herbs. Um, so it's, it's an interesting point sometimes. Because so I'll, the nervous system affects the adrenal glands. And so although someone's, you'd you, you say that they've got adrenal insufficiency, but, um, giving them adrenal herbs alone may not be helpful. We need to, what, what's driving, what's, you know, inflicting the pain on the adrenals, and that's the nervous system. So sometimes I'll give, so if someone is really um, been running on adrenaline forever, I'll give them some nervous system herbs and they'll, I'll get a phone call and they'll say, you've made me tired. And I got, and you know, years ago I went, oh, that's terrible. But It's actually no, no, you are tired. I've just uncovered what you know, what's really going on, and you, because of the adrenaline, you've you've been running fast and been running fast for years. So I, so now sleep. You know, you feel tired. You are, and that 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 was a, a good lesson.
0: I think anyone would benefit from from that lesson. Um, and it's funny how we have, you know, there's so much going on in our modern lives and we are sometimes so disconnected from these underlying processes that r- really are fundamental to our, to our health. And I mean, just to close up here, I mean, I mean, one, you mentioned sleep there for people that, um, do struggle with sleep, um, you know, potentially to breathing, a lot of people have you know, wake up with breathing issues, whether it's um, snoring or a lot of people describe gasping um, episodes. How do you describe or how do you help people to, um, you know, to, or how long would you say it takes for a person to connect, reconnect to their breathing um, in order to improve a sleep pattern that is disrupted by an a, um, improper breathing habit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's sometimes a bit of a longer journey um you know first get a sleep study you know if you're gasping i'd be really i mean i'm very interested in sleep apnea um but you know they notice the improvements quickly but you know the kind of that retraining can take months
0: would you attest that to the deeper nervous system that is being retrained while breathing because a, Uh, a lot of the, i mean you're telling people to do daytime exercises and then we're trying to get the the nighttime breathing to comply is it that disconnect or is it
1: no no uh, that's that's the the daytime breathing will inform the nighttime breathing nighttime breathing you've got no control over um so the exercises during the day will inform the the nighttime I, i i get great results with sleep apnea um you know and i think it's a variety of things i think it's tongue position i think it's the reduced volume of the breathing um yeah
0: Peggy, just uh, uh, we just got a question here. Mim, we'll, we'll, we'll just um, cover before we finish up. Uh, Peggy asks, "Do you think it's possible to get off a sleep apnea device with good breathing?"
1: Thanks, Peggy. Um, I would always say keep. keep I'm, I'm assuming this it might be a CPAP you're talking about or, or a dental splint, but um, a lot a lot of the CPAPs can actually um, read your your breathing, so. You know if we see that the ahi is decreasing then you know in conjunction with your doctor your respiratory specialist then yeah definitely I've, you know as i said i get good results but i ask people i ask them to do a sleep study before and then after so that we actually know because you don't want to have sleep apnea and um you know so you need to keep the device if if you're still having the breathing so it is possible um and that's a lot of the reason why people come to see me because they don't you know they don't like the device um but we've, the most important thing is we don't have the sleep apnea
0: absolutely it's, it's a life threatening condition um but there are a lot of people out there that are stuck in the middle of of some of these therapies that either they don't like or they just can't handle. I see a lot of people that just cannot um fifty percent compliance them. yeah
1: fifty percent yeah. It,
0: and And so when you yeah. think of the um you know the amount of people out there with sleep breathing issues that's that's a significant amount of people are fall, falling through the cracks per se without and
1: now we that. know yeah, now we know that there are the what would they call the different phenotypes of sleep apnea, so that's interesting it's, it's like that that whole area has really gone forward, and I think breathing has got a lot to offer, not the total solution, but uh, you know a, a a good necessary part of it.
0: It's absolutely a fundamental role that is connected to both our gut and how we're feeling. Um, Mim, thank you so much today for joining me and discussing your approach to helping people breathe. It's been great to hear how you've progressed and, and you know, through your career um, in understanding breathing, but also how you've applied it to not only yourself, but also your patients. For those looking to, um, looking to learn more about you, where can they find you and, and what do you have on the horizon?
1: Oh, Thanks, Stephen. We've just had a big practitioner course with with Patrick, but I I hold regular courses and also people can, um, you know, there are one-on-one consultations. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show.
0: Appreciate it, Mim. Have a great day and we'll have to talk soon. Thanks, Stephen.